I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation we had today with Emily. Emily's a speech pathologist and a business owner, a mom. She's really passionate about getting kids and families the right advice, the right treatments, and really just giving families the confidence they need to have a great start in life. So I think that there's so much that you guys will take away from this. Welcome to Enjoying Parenting. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast, Ben. I'm Jenny. And I'm Susanna. And we're going to have some really great conversations around getting the best out of your parenting, enjoying this crazy ride. So welcome along. So welcome back to our podcast, Enjoying Parenting. I'm one of your hosts, Ben. I've got the wonderful Miss Jen with me today. Hey, everyone. And Susanna's here as well. Hi, everyone. I'm really looking forward to today. It's going to be great. Sweet as. So in doing the whole parent win, parent fail, Jenna, I've got a bit of a story. Do you mind if I share I'm, a story I'm so today? excited to hear yours. Sweet. So Tilly, being 10 and being autistic, she can say the most random things. And so my wife and I are in the kitchen and Tilly decides it's hilariously funny. Like she's got this really belly laugh after she calls me nugget. She's decided I've got a little weight on, so therefore <laughs> I am in the shape of a nugget. She's 10, so, and being autistic, we're learning like where to be firm. She was mucking around, so I didn't, I wasn't, took it okay. And then, can we adopt that name for the podcast? Um, it can become a nickname if you feel like it's appropriate, I guess. I am getting browner, so you never know. Anyway, only last night or the night before, I was in the kitchen again, and I could see this look on her face. And then before I knew it, she goes, Look at that, a nugget eating a nugget because I was eating a chicken nugget. And she was doing the full belly laugh, like a whole little <laughs> body was shaking. She was uh, having an amazing time telling me I was a nugget eating a nugget. That was the most hilarious thing. And then she toddled off to her bedroom. And so, yeah, I felt like that was a bit of a parenting win. Not that my child was being super cheeky to me, but that I was able to hold my peace, stay calm in the midst of her trying to embarrass me in her little autistic way. So, I'm with Tilly. We're totally, we need to change your bio, (laughs) like to nugget. It's a nugget. It's a nugget. Okay. I know they're not good for you, but if I'm going to be a nugget, I want to be a KFC nugget if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm quite partial to KFC nuggets. (laughs) Sweet ass. But yeah. So parenting, obviously like I've got a lot to work on. So lucky we've got a great guest today. So our guest today is Emily Mackey. She's a speech pathologist from Speak About Speech Pathology. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, because you have speech pathology centers in a couple of areas. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself, Emily, as a speech pathologist and where you guys are currently operating, please? Hi, Ben. Thank you. It's lovely to be here with you guys today. That is hilarious about your daughter calling you Nugget. (laughs) My ego is bruised, but we're getting there. (laughs) I have a lot of experience working with children with autism and that does not surprise me at all. The funny things that they say in therapy sessions is hilarious. So yeah, so I'm a speech therapist. I've been a speech therapist for 11 years now and we have a speech pathology clinic down in Sydney. If anybody knows, it's out at Hobartville in Richmond, the Hawkesbury, and we've just moved up this year to the Central Coast. So we have one speech therapist working out of Tugra at the Little Miracles Centre and she works with all the Little Miracles children in all the centres on the on the Central Coast, but also any child that needs help on the Central Coast, we sort of are servicing as well. 
Awesome. Yeah, so you really don't have to be a parent or a child of a Little Miracle Center to engage with your speech pathology services just because they happen to be based out of the Tugra Center. Is that right? No, no. We love everybody, especially Little Miracle's parents, but we'll take anybody (laughs) really. (laughs) That's right. Any child that needs help, that's what we're here for. And so as a speech therapist, we work on child development, lots of areas there to help their communication. And there's a room set aside, isn't it? They're not in the centre with the other children. There's actually a room set aside specifically for the speech therapist. And her name is Holly, yes, Emily? Yeah, Holly. And we've got our own little reception as well and own little therapy room. Awesome. So good. Well, Emily, it's so nice that you're here. I have so many questions for you. What inspired you to become a speechy? That is an interesting question. I would say I kind of fell into the profession a bit by fluke but also I had a few people in my life as I was growing up that had communication difficulties or disabilities and so I was able to attend a few speech therapy sessions when I was a teenager and I sort of got to know what a speech therapist did and that interested me a lot so then I kind of just thought I'll give it a go at the end of the day I just wanted to help people and I wanted to work with kids that's what I knew. And yeah, I loved it. I never looked back. It's interesting how your profession and your personal life often overlap and in really meaningful ways. I know that you've recently become a mom yourself. So how do you think that your experience as and like your journey as a speech pathologist has really impacted the way you parent and how you're a mom? Yeah, I have Evie. So she is 10 months of age and it's been a wild roller coaster of a ride <laughs> becoming a mum. But I think at the end of the day, it has just really inspired me to continue doing what I'm doing. And it's my why of why I'm a speech therapist is to build confidence in children and build that connection for them. And I've just really been able to see that with Evie in the everyday. As a speech therapist, I was um, see kids for once a week, every half an hour. But actually being with her every single day and seeing how she develops and how she learns, it's just inspired me even more to help more children because development and communication is just so critical for every area of a child's life, particularly their emotional well-being. It's just so important that they have connection. And a lot of the times what we deal with is children, they can't connect and they can't communicate and they don't have that confidence. And so in doing that, in having Evie, it's just inspired me so much more to help more children. I guess it's like reignited my passion to be a speech therapist because I've been a speech teacher for 11 years. So you've kind of been in the profession a long time, but having Evie has just reignited that passion all over again. So good. And so Em, are you working full-time, part-time? What's happening with you being a speech therapist and being a mum? So I'm currently learning how to balance and juggle. I think it's a constant journey and constant transition. Also because Evie is constantly in transition. But what I have learnt is to be super flexible and not set strict deadlines for myself. I basically work when she's sleeping. And I've put really strict boundaries in place because it's as a speech therapist, I know how important it is that she receives my attention and connection and I'm present with her in the moment when she's awake. 
So I've just made that a real priority that I'm with her when she's awake and then when she sleeps, I work. And whether that's at night or in the day. So at the moment, that's working out to be quite a nice balance because she's so young. She is sleeping two and a half hours every day. If you ask me the same question in 12 months time, I'm not sure what I'll say. (laughs) But yeah. That's fair enough. So you're not in your practice. You've got people doing the work in the practice and you're leading the team. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just working from home. And I think that's the best thing for the family at the moment. And for work, I mean, I set up the business and all my team, I set that up and worked really, really hard before I had her so that we could prioritize this time as a family. And I think that's really important as a business owner. I kind of thought I haven't worked the last seven years to then not be able to spend time with my child at home. So if I can't do that, what have I spent the last seven years doing, (laughs) building my business? So I've just made sure I've really prioritized that. And so how many speeches do you have in your practice? So we currently have in Sydney, we have five speech therapists and then we have two administration. And then on the central coast, we have Holly and then we have an administration for her, but she's working in Sydney. As a speechy, what areas of development can a speech therapist help parents with their parenting and developing their child? Is it just speech? What areas are they? We work with all developmental areas that relate back to communication. So from the time a child's born, they should start smiling from about three weeks of age and like looking into your eyes anywhere from three weeks onwards. So we really work with children from any age. I mean, if you're talking about children all the way up to 18 years of age and everything along that timeline. So when they're starting to talk, we work with them. If they're not talking, if they're a late talker, if they're not putting words together at two years of age, if they're then not understanding a conversation and understanding questions in their preschool years, if they're not able to put words together in sentences or use grammar correctly. So the terms for that are receptive and expressive language, if you're being technical. We also then work on speech sounds, so how clear a child is when they're talking. So a child might be saying tat with a T instead of cat with a K. So we will fix that up for them. We also work on stuttering. So if a child is having difficulties getting out all their words, if they are having difficulties in the later years, so when they start school, we also work on literacy with them. So even all the way up to high school, the academic demands placed on them, you wouldn't think this, but even like maths requires some form of communication and being able to understand. So we work with kids in maths as well. We work with children with social skills and if they're having social thinking difficulties, which often comes hand in hand with autism as well. We also work with children who have feeding issues. So that also, when they're a lot younger, that can come hand in hand with autism. They get a bit picky, a bit fussy. So we, it's actually called feeding therapy, which we can provide for the children as well. And then within all of those areas, it's, you've then got all your disabilities that we work with so we can work with autism down syndrome developmental delay a lot it's a very big area of what we do what are the most common indicators that parents should be looking for to see if they need assistance from a speechy at each age there are sort of 
a couple of red flags that I would look at. I always say to mums, trust your gut. A lot of mums, they discount themselves and they discount their intuition. But I always say, trust your gut. Major milestones that I would look at, and I guess that it is best to get a child in as early as possible for speech therapy. So if you have any concerns, get them in straight away. So if you're looking at between one to two years of age, a big red flag would be that they're not talking. They're not saying their first words. Some children might not even be babbling, like they just might be silent. So that is a very big red flag between that one to two year of age. At two years of age, the other big red flag for me is that children need to start putting two words together. So at two, they should be saying two words. If your child's not starting to put two words together or copy you, then I would be saying, okay, maybe it's time to see a speech therapist just for a second opinion. And then as they're progressing through the preschool years, you're just listening out for are people able to understand them. If people are always looking at you saying, oh, what did they say? What was that? Maybe that might be an indication. And then also if the child is having maybe behavioural issues. So often if they can't communicate, a child is getting frustrated. They might be crying a lot. The parent's feeling frustrated. The parent might be feeling I've done everything that I know how to do and things still aren't working. I think those are all red flags as well because obviously if a child can't communicate, they're going to start getting incredibly frustrated. I know from my own experience with our youngest one, Daniel, he's audibly dyslexic, but it wasn't until year six, I think it was, or year five, that I started to twig that something was wrong. Because it was my other children being visually dyslexic like myself, he could always read, he could always write anything, he could always comprehend anything. It was no problem at all. As far as from reading, he could comprehend really, really well. But it came to my attention that he was often asking me questions on top of my answers. Like he would ask me about something, I'd give him an answer and then he'd have to ask a question on my answer and then a question again and then a question again, always asking questions. And at first I just thought he was inquisitive, but then in I think it was in year five, his teacher said to me, Daniel doesn't seem to be able to retain information. He seems to not be paying attention in class and I'm just wondering if there could be something wrong. So that took me on the journey of discovering what was wrong and what I I was really surprised with was that it was a speech pathologist that actually was able to help Daniel with his audible dyslexia. She was able to diagnose it and help him. And I wouldn't have thought that at all. I would have just thought as a mum that speech was all about speech, not about dyslexia or audible dyslexia or anything like that. I kind of had it in a box. So I think it's important that parents do understand that you're able to help in such varied ways So I would encourage parents that if, like you're saying, even if there's some behavior challenges with a child, doesn't have to be a toddler or a preschooler, it can be older as well, to pop them along to speech pathologists because you've got nothing to lose because they can have a look at them and maybe give you the tools like we were given the tools that then help Daniel overcome his problem. And I've also found that, funnily enough, his son 
Fraser, you helped him a lot when you came into Little Miracle Centre and assessed all the children. And they, Annika and Daniel, are able to discover through your advice and then sending them on to somebody else to have a look at his eating and his food, just what he was eating. He wasn't having trouble swallowing or anything like that, but it was what he was eating. And that made a huge difference to Fraser because he was just, I think he was about three at the time, wasn't he, Emily? I think about three. Yeah, sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, just changing his diet a bit. But you as a speechy gave them that advice in the first place and directed them in the right direction to be able to do that. And it really has changed things for him. So just want to encourage parents not to limit a speech pathologist for what they can help you with. Go and explore and they potentially will be able to help you. And if they can't, they'll be able to direct you on to the right person that can. That's pretty much the normal for us. We have parents come in and we're the first professional that they'll see. And then we look at them and we can say, okay, you maybe need to go and see a physio. You maybe need to go and see an OT or a psychologist. And most parents, they don't know. And that's okay. But we sort of act a bit as case managers as well and say, okay, this is the system. This is what we need to look at in terms of overall development. That's great though. Yeah, I think it's important for parents to realise it doesn't have to be those big things like Dan's is dyslexic or like my daughter's autistic, that those kind of things. I think sometimes in the preschool when we encourage parents to think about going and seeing a speechy, that it's often not those big indicators that might indicate something significant, but it can be a small thing, but it can make a big difference for a child. You spoke before about if a child's struggling to communicate, then their behaviour can become challenging. And we definitely see that with little boys in care. You know, If they're struggling to communicate, then they push and they hit because they're getting frustrated and that's what comes out. But they often, when they do go along with a speechy, being able to communicate, then they can use the words and there's no need to hit or push or does other more destructive behaviours. Where does that play out for you as a speechy? Like how often do you see kids come in for those smaller things, but you're able to help them along with that stuff as well? To be honest, all of the smaller things add up to the big picture. So I would feel like every day in every therapy session, we're just working on the small things. And often that's what parents need to focus on because they're looking at the big picture. So they're going, oh, they're not ready for school. And I say to them, yeah, but today they learned how to say the word more. And that's the little step. And I think that's what you need to do because it's a long, if you start speech therapy, sometimes it's a short journey, but sometimes it can be a long journey as well. And if you're not looking at those small goals or small achievements, sometimes you can feel a bit hopeless. You know, like my child's not making any progress or hasn't achieved anything. So definitely the small things are so important. And I feel like that's what we'd be working on every day in therapy sessions is just, okay, we've got one tiny goal to work on today. And then that contributes to the big picture goal. Beautiful. So we've talked about a lot of indicators and those kind of things. Do you have a website or something that people could find out more about? Like if they're thinking, oh, I don't know if that is. One of the questions we get a bit from parents is like, especially if they're first-time parents, it's hard for them to have something, another child to measure them against. And so like, it all seems normal, right? Like when you're a first-time parent, you're like, you don't know, like you just said that earlier on that they should be able to say two words by the time they're two, but it's hard to know when you're a first-time parent. It just seems all seems normal and natural to you. Is there places that people can go for that kind of information to look at those indicators or what those norms might be? Yep. At our website, speakaboutspeech.com, when you go to the main page, 
you can hit the square that says, is my child hitting their milestones? And that will come up with every single age from one to six years of age. It comes up with every single goal that they should be achieving. And then we also have another column that has red flags. So if you look at the red flags and you tick even one, you know you need to see a speech therapist. But I always encourage parents, so say your child's two, you can be looking at the milestones for two years of age, but then it's also good to know what they should be doing next year as well because they might start doing it earlier. So it's also just good to track their development. We also, for the parents that are at Little Miracles, we have the printed brochures from that with all that information as well. So they can stop by Holly's door or ask the director for the brochure and we can pass that along. Awesome. I guess I'd also like to say from a parent's point of view that I want to encourage other parents to not be afraid to take their child to a speech therapist because they will empower you as a parent. If you've got a good speech therapist, they're going to have you in the room while you're doing it and then you learn from that and then you can put it into practice for your child. So it actually gives you tools and empowers you. And if you unfortunately have friends or parents, grandparents that are telling you that this or this should be happening or not be happening, you're empowered then to say, my speechy is helping me with this and this is the track we're on. We have this plan of action and you can be confident in that plan Mm -hmm. of action. You don't have to be tossed from pillar to post wondering am I or am I not doing the right thing. You can be totally empowered as a parent, which is really important for you, you yourself as a parent. And yes, it's important for your children, but it's important for you as a parent as well to have that conversation go, yes, we're on a track where things are going to be okay and I can be confident in what I'm doing or not doing. Yeah, and we say that I have that written on our website. I think parents, at the end of the day, you want peace of mind that your child is on track. And so don't lose sleepless nights over should I or shouldn't I, just take them. And if they have no issues, us as a speech therapist will say, great, they're fantastic, you don't need speech therapy and you'll feel so much better. So it's kind of like a win-win situation if you were to take your child in for a speech therapy assessment because if they're fine, we'll tell you they're fine. And so what happens with cost too? Like I believe that you guys are covered with NDIS and all that sort of thing, so it helps parents out financially, yes? Yeah, so there's a Medicare plan that parents can get. So if it's their first time and they don't have any diagnosis, they have never seen any professionals, Medicare will give them a plan for five sessions per year. And so that's a little bit of a rebate back. It doesn't cover the full session, but it's a little bit of financial assistance for the first five. If you then come in and you're starting to see professionals and say there's a few more issues there, you may qualify for NDIS funding, but it's like it's great funding. It's just a bit of a lengthy process, but there's heaps of support out there for you to help you get the paperwork done and get organized. But if you do get NDIS funding, we can definitely help you and we take all the hassle out of it. We do all the paperwork for you. So all you need to do is show up for your therapy session, essentially. Beautiful. So Emily, can you give us some examples of when you've seen speech therapy make a significant difference in a child's life? Like, What does that look like? So I had one child a few years ago and they came in for therapy and he had been given the diagnosis of selective mutism and he had chronic anxiety and the mum had five children and he was the youngest. So she felt very time poor. She felt very guilty that she hadn't 
given him enough time and now he had these problems that they thought and they were really stressed because he was going to school next year. So through doing a speech assessment and talking to the mum, I was able to find out that he actually had a stutter. And so with stuttering, that goes hand in hand with social anxiety. And if it's not treated correctly and a child is very aware of it, they will shut down. So basically once we started to identify what the problem was, which wasn't that he, we looked beyond the surface of the selective mutism, we looked beyond the surface of the anxiety and we found out that the stutter was causing it, we then treated the stutter and he became a different child. He started talking, he came in, I think it was about six months after and the mum said, I've taken him to the paediatrician and he no longer has selective mutism. And so he then went to kindy and he was not really bound by their anxiety and he was able to speak clearly and fluently and it's because he'd had the right therapy. That's so rewarding as a therapist but that's just like a very dramatic example of a total change in a child and total change for the mum. Like she was just released of all of her guilt. As soon as we found out it was a stutter, I told her, you cannot cause a stutter. It happens sometimes the way that the brain is wired. So she just relaxed and she became relieved. And because she became so calm, she was able to help him. He then was picking up on her calm vibes and it worked as well. That's one example. And that didn't seem to take that long, Emily. No, no, not long at all. I think though in that he was going to school the next year and if you can think he may have developed a stutter, I don't know when, but say he developed at three years of age. So he had had a stutter and felt anxious about talking for two years. So I was thinking, no wonder he has shut down. So that's why I say it's so early to get your child in as soon as possible so that it doesn't compound into a bigger issue. That's an incredible journey that that family went on and the difference that speech pathology made for that little boy and for that mum. I think for me as a parent, so often it is that my anxiety around their challenges too that compound that. So, wow, what a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. When you think about your journey over the last 11 years and now your journey as a mum, what would you want to tell a parent? yourself like if you had the opportunity to speak to a parent that their child's having a couple of chances what's the one thing that you want to tell them about the journey that they can go on um, through speech pathology there's no shame there's no shame in accessing speech therapy and it's not a bad reflection of who you are as a parent so often that is the biggest barrier to parents putting their child in for therapy is they feel an incredible amount of shame, which obviously they love their child, so they want the best for them. But often these developmental issues that we work with, they can be easily fixed or they can be fixed over time or definitely improved. So I think that's the main thing. Don't be scared if you have a child that you think, oh, I'm not sure what's happening. Everybody just wants to help you. Everybody's on your team. You're not going somewhere where nobody's got your back. As a speech therapist, we always have your back as a parent and we always have your best interest in mind. We want to make things easier for you at home, easier for your child. And at the end of the day, if parents can think about the long-term goal of, I want my child to be able to go to university or I want my child to be able to 
do an apprenticeship or do what they want, do what they're called to do in their life. And this is just one little step to getting there. Beautiful. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. There's so much, um, you use the word shame, but there's so much fear and guilt, I think, associated for a parent when our child's struggling. We can embody that and go, well, it's my fault. What have I done? Where have I gone wrong for them to be struggling? So shame's such a big one, I think, for any parent with a child that's struggling. So thank you for being brave and speaking to that. I think it is a big deal for most of us when our kids are struggling. So appreciate that. And I think that's okay as well. As a parent, you need to talk about that with somebody. That's what you need to do. Like that's healthy and it's healthy to get help if you feel like you're struggling mentally because like I said before if you're struggling as a parent that's then projected onto your child so if you are okay with yourself then you're going to probably be a better parent as well yeah definitely Mm -hmm. well you've been able to share lots of amazing things with us today we've already mentioned your website you've also got a number of social media spaces that people can connect with you and learn more and in different ways can you explain a little bit about what they look like professionally and you even mentioned there's one with evie in it your little girl so can you tell us about that please so if you're interested in anything speech pathology related or getting more information or connecting with our clinic and getting your child in you can follow us on facebook or instagram at speak about speech pathology We've also got our website, which you can contact us directly from that. And then I've also just got my personal speechy page. So it's Emily Mackey Speechy on Facebook or Instagram. And I guess that's just my life behind the scenes with Evie. But I also am taking parents on the journey that I'm on with her and showing parents the little activities that I'm doing with her to stimulate her and get her talking and things that we do at home to include her. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on today. What you do makes such a big difference in so many people's lives and it's been a real privilege for us to create some space for people to learn more about what speech pathologists can do. Mum and I have definitely had an experience what that's like in our personal lives with our kids and love what you do. Love your passion too, Emily. It comes across really clearly mm-hmm. how passionate you are about what you do and about people in general, just kids, but the family. So yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real privilege to chat with you this afternoon and thanks for being part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful. So what did you guys get out of Emily today? She said lots of really great things. For you, Susanna, what did you really reflect on? The main thing that I liked was how Emily said that there's absolutely no shame for a parent to be taking their child to a speechy. Mm. And I relate to that as a parent because it is scary when you find out, even if you don't find out, if you're just wondering is there something that should be happening for the child that isn't happening, And you're not sure where to go. You don't know who to talk to. You're a little bit fearful of even bringing it up. To be able to know that there's no shame around it and I think is really, really important because we can so easily put shame on ourselves or other people can put shame on us. So, yes, I think that's key. What about for you, Jim? What did you take away from today's discussion? Yeah, I think it's just really interesting to talk to a speechy and just to see all of the different areas that they can help with because I think you do often think that kind of speech pathology is when um, your child's having a hard time speaking. But like all the things around nutrition and all the behavioral things that come from that, like there's so much that they can give you practical advice around and just really help you understand what's happening. So I think that's just really useful. 
Mm. Yeah, cool. I love the line she said that what she's wanting to do is to build confidence in children. Like yeah. that just sums up the whole thing for me. Yeah. And the way that Emily and her team go about it and yeah, whether it's struggling with eating, struggling with communicating or some of those things she spoke about, if you can work through that stuff, then you're going to get a more confident child and mm. what parent doesn't want that? And that, that's yeah. massive. So yeah, it was a great conversation. You're Love also you. going to get a more confident parent. Indeed. So thanks for being part of the conversation with us today. If you want to check out our social media at enjoyingparenting.com.au is our website, or you can check us out on our various social medias. We'll see you next time.